0: I invite you to open your Bible with me to Galatians chapter 5. And continuing from this sermon series, Life in the Spirit, I want to speak this morning on the subject of the fruit of the Spirit and examine the the fruit that the Bible describes that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we walk with Him. Another way of describing this is, is... If we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is synonymous with being filled with the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit by abiding in Jesus, and if we abide in Him, if we're filled with Him, and we walk with Him, then the Holy Spirit, by His power, produces fruit. And I want us to take a few moments and to look at the fruit of the Spirit today and the relevance for us in our lives. Would you just review with me quickly some of the things that we have seen thus far concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit? So let me move through these very quickly, about 10 or 11 things. First, the Holy Spirit belongs to the Trinity, right? One with God, fully God. He is personal, the person of the Holy Spirit. He is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it, but is a person. Then the Holy Spirit works in us, number two, to bring us to Christ, unto salvation. There is not a person who on their own just gets up one day and thinks, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, unless the Spirit of God speaks in that, to that person and John 6, unless the Spirit of God draws that person and convicts us of our sin and of the righteousness of Christ, none of us would ever come to Christ. In fact, the Bible says there's none of us that ever seeks Him. No man would even seek the Lord on their own. It may, people might set out on a quest and to know things and learn things, but it's the Spirit of God that brings us to Christ third, once we repent of our sins and put our faith in Christ, Romans 8, 9, and 1 Corinthians 12, other places teach that the Holy Spirit then indwells us, comes in, lives in us, resides in us, right? So, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thank God for this facility, this worship place, and just what... We've experienced and encountered thus far in worship in the presence of God, but He dwells in us. We are His temples. Fourth, once we are saved, the Spirit immediately baptizes us, First Corinthians 12, 13, He baptizes us into the body of Christ, which means that when you're a Christian, you belong to the church, the universal church. And that's why since we are a part, all of us, Uh, of the body of Christ and the scriptures teach us that every person who belongs to the universal body of Christ then needs to get connected to a local church and give expression to being belonging to the body by being a part of a church family and the way you connect in that according to the scriptures is uh, to be baptized and so when someone is baptized they are publicly right Declaring, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm connecting with you, my church family. That's music to your ears. What you're listening to right there, Amen. May His tribe increase, Amen. And then, as we saw last week, uh, Clay uh, talked from First John about an anointing that the Spirit brings. Right, John sixteen thirteen. Jesus, the Spirit will guide us into all truth. He will teach us and. And lead us. And Luke twelve twelve adds that the Holy Spirit will bring back to our minds our remembrance, and let us know what to say. And then we saw from Galatians five the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He's the one who transforms us. The Spirit of God changes us, making us more like Jesus, conforming us to His image. Romans eight twenty six says the Holy Spirit also prays. He intercedes for us. Isn't that awesome? How many times have you not known what to pray? Or there have been times maybe in your life when you're going through a season and you're hurting and suffering in such a difficult place that you don't even know how to pray. God, the Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with sighs and groans that cannot be uttered. He intercedes for us, our prayer partner. And then the Holy Spirit next... Is the one who empowers us to witness, Acts 1.8. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power, not to do witnessing, but to be witnesses, to be witnesses. And then the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and we'll look at this soon, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Romans 12 lists spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk about that. He gives us these divinely empowered gifts in order to serve one another, to build up one another, edify the church. And then, as we're going to see this morning, He produces fruit. We'll read that from Galatians 5. And finally, everything that the Spirit does, all of this, is working together to bring glory and honor and praise and adoration to Jesus. And so he does all of that work to to glorify Christ. Jesus said that in John 16, 14. And when the helper, when the paraclete, the spirit comes, he will do all things to bring glory to me. And that simply means the Holy Spirit will always work in your life and in my life to make much of Jesus. And I just, uh, I'm just getting where I, I want to do that more all the time. Just all the time. Just want to make more of Jesus. Let him increase and me decrease. Just try to encourage people, point people to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to work with us to do that. And so before reading the background of this text, in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul is writing to this group of churches scattered throughout Galatia And his aim is to address some false teaching that had infiltrated the church. And the idea that was being taught, this false idea, false doctrine, was that salvation by faith in Christ was not enough. Now, that's still relevant for today because there's still all kinds of people religions, teachings, all kinds of things that teach that in order for you to have a relationship with God and to get to some better life after this life, then it's works-based, right? You, you, you have to do certain things, you have to be good, and hopefully at the end of the, your life, if all of the good outweighs on the scales of the bad stuff, then you, you hopefully will have a better life, eternal life. That's salvation by works. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of taken even me a while as when I started out in my Christian walk to understand grace. Grace is kind of difficult to grasp. But God loves us. And he loves us apart from our performance. He's merciful. No matter how well I perform or don't perform, God's going to love me and God is going to give me. Romans 8, right? Nothing can ever separate you and I from the love of Christ Jesus. And he lists all of these things a tribulation, and peril, or sword, or nakedness, or famine, or distress. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's good news. It's grace based. Our salvation is by faith completely in what Christ did for us, not from works. And so Paul is writing to address this as he writes to these churches in Galatians. And he says, oh, oh, foolish Galatians. Why have you been so betwitched or deceived? Why have you so easily, easily fallen from grace? He says, I marvel that you've, you've left salvation by faith, and they'd reverted back to these old ideas and practices and traditions of thinking you have to do all of these things to be in a right relationship with God. And Paul says, no, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. And so I want to invite you to read with me also by faith uh, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in mine. So read with me in Galatians chapter 5, starting at Verse 16. Let me pray for just a moment. Father, would you bless the reading of your word, the seeing of your word, the hearing of your word, and would you speak to us, and would you produce in us what only you can produce. Lord, we need you, and we need the work of your spirit. And so we we ask you to help us today and speak to us and teach us and strengthen us. Lord, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name amen. Galatians 5 starting at verse 16. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you Do not do the things that you wish. Sounds like Romans 7. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then here he describes the works of the flesh. Kind of the ways apart from the Spirit of God working. This is the way we're going to have a tendency to relate to people. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. This is a big one here. Outbursts of wrath. I started to title this message anger management. (laughs) Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, there's more than this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then listen to the difference, walking in the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another another what a, you notice that here in the text first verse 16 there's a command there for us as Christians the command is walk in the spirit that word walk um, you see throughout Paul's letters Ephesians 4 after laying out this doctrinal treatise of what it means to be in Christ to be saved by faith through the gospel he says then in chapter 4 I want you to walk Walk worthy of the calling with which you've received in Christ. He's saying, so it's, he's, he's talking about live. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and walk and live like a Christian should walk and live daily. Um, it's a command. Ephesians 5 18 he goes on, and that's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, be drenched, soaked. Consumed with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And so the the idea here is to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, uh, is, is to allow the Holy Spirit to be the predominant influence of our life. Today and Monday, before you set out to go to work, get in your car and go about your routine. Pray and say, God, I want the, your Holy Spirit to, to be the predominant influencer of my life today, my mind, my emotions, my will. Would you, would you control me? Would you influence me today? Instead of the flesh and all of that which is going to come out of the flesh. And so the idea is to walk, this command, to walk in the Spirit is... He's, he's, he's saying, develop this relationship with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Have an awareness of him. Have a sensitivity to his voice every day. And then notice in verse 16, he says there, in 17, he says there's a conflict, there's a, there's a war, a battle that's going on within us in our, and it's a battle between our flesh and between the person of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling us. I mentioned, it sounds like Romans 7, that passage where Paul, as a Christian, he's describing this war, this battle that's going on in him where he he has a desire to please Christ and um, certain things he doesn't want to do, certain ways he doesn't want to behave, certain things he doesn't want to say, and he says... I'm struggling. I don't, I don't want to say those kind of things, but those very things I don't want to say, how did, how did that come out of my mouth? And I don't want to act that way towards another person and, and hurt them or mar my testimony, hurt the testimony of my church, but, I, but sure enough, I acted unbecoming of a Christian, and I don't want to, but he's, he's struggling between the flesh and the spirit there, and he describes it. And so there's this conflict, there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Notice then the characteristics. He describes the flesh. When you, when you read that as a, as a Christian, when you read that, verse 19, 20, 21, um, are there certain works of the flesh there that, that you struggle with? maybe characteristic, um, adultery, engaged with someone other than your spouse sexually. Some of you may be tempted to do that in a relationship with at work and you're becoming flirtatious and things are being said and things are being done. That's pushing you in that direction you you listen you and I are capable of things we allow ourselves to to disregard the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit those things happen I've been doing this a long time and it takes a lot to shock me anymore what we as sinners still saved by grace we're still sinners but right and we're still capable of succumbing to the flesh. And so Paul is saying, he's warning, so just think about it. What else? Uh, fornication, that's uh, sexual behavior prior, outside of marriage. It's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not God's best for you. The flesh may desire those kind of things, and May give in to those kinds, but that's not that's not God's best. That's not what he wants for us. Uncleanness, lewdness, sorcery, hatred. Do you hate anybody? Contentious? Flesh wants to make you contentious to be a person that can't get along with anybody? You're always. In a fight, always turmoil in relation, just contentious ornery? Surely not. Jealousies and then that outbursts of wrath? You blow up at people, say things, go off. Selfish ambition, heresies, envy, revelries. It's all the flesh. It's all the flesh. It's all of you and I just living in the flesh on a daily basis. And then, but look at this. The, but that's contrary to what the Spirit of God will do, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence, the byproduct. Uh, as we are uh, abiding in Christ and the sap of the Spirit, of, the, of that vine of Jesus is flowing through us, then these are relational qualities relational characteristics that kind of describe us as God's people we we relate to other people in love and love covers a multitude of sin and love casts out perfect love casts out fear and right love and there's joy and peace long suffering You and I as a believer can endure certain things in relationships. We just have a a patience, tolerance, long-suffering produced in us by the Holy Spirit, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle, gentle and and self-control. Quite contrast between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit, both are, somewhat descriptive of how we relate to, how we interact with other people, with each other, completely different walks, totally different. When we're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit in us, and and when we're not being influenced by the Spirit, then we should probably expect for some of those other things to characterize our lives. Now, I want to see what does... The works of the Spirit, this fruit of the Spirit. What does that have to do with our mission as Christians, individually and as our corporate mission as a church? You remember our our, our main mission, Matthew twenty eighteen through twenty. He said, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth by who who gave Jesus the Father." And then he said to the disciples, and I'm giving that authority to you, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, get them churched, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I promise I will be with you always to the end of this thing, to the end of the age. I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll stay with you through the, through the whole process. That's, that's, our, that's our mission. That's our purpose as followers of Jesus Christ, as we go, to be trying to make disciples of other people. And I would say to you, the first place to start is in your home, to try to make disciples of those under your own roof. I, I want to do everything I can to help build up my wife, Mindy, to be more effective as becoming Christ's disciple. And I want to as a parent, as a grandparent, I want to do all that I can to help raise up kids and grandkids to be disciples. And so, you and I are disciples, trying to make disciples, trying to influence other people to know and live for Christ. That's our mission. It doesn't matter vocationally what you do. I say, well, it matters, but really, my point is, you you to make we're to be disciples, making disciples. Whether we're in a hospital or an office or a school or just working for ourselves, out doing things, we're, we're always trying to influence people for Christ. And, and so in the first place start in our homes, in our own families, and then to work outwardly. That's our calling. So how does the fruit of the Spirit relate to this? You remember Acts 1.8, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power, power to be my witnesses... And power is needed to advance the gospel. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. And the reality is you and I can work and work and work and work and serve and serve and serve Jesus and be busy doing all kinds of things for the Lord. But unless the Holy Spirit is working with us, empowering us, we're not going to get anything done. JESUS SAID THAT IN JOHN 15, APART FROM ME, YOU DISCIPLES ARE NOT GOING TO BE ABLE TO ACCOMPLISH ANYTHING. YOU HAVE TO STAY CONNECTED AS BRANCHES ARE CONNECTED TO THE VINE. AND SO ANY GOSPEL ADVANCE, ANY PERSON WHO IS INFLUENCED FOR CHRIST, ANY PERSON WHO IS BEING SAVED, ALL OF THAT IS DEPENDENT UPON THE PERSON, THE PRESENCE, THE POWER OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. And in addition to all of the things that the Holy Spirit does that we went through at the very beginning, Galatians 5 says one of the things the Spirit wants to do is to produce fruit in and through us by His power. These relational qualities, this fruit of the Spirit, are produced by Him in us, and they're not just to make us feel good. Why? Well, it's nice to be gentle. feels good, doesn't it? It's nice to be lovey. Love, lovey-dovey feels good, gentleness feels good, and patience, and being nice, and all that feels good. And and there's value to feeling good in the Lord, but all of the fruit of the Spirit is not just to make us feel good, the fruit of the Spirit is essential for advancing the gospel essential for the advancement of the gospel, to help us to be more effective witnesses. And so there's three things I want to share with you on how the fruit of the Spirit helps us to advance the gospel. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit is what will attract the lost to Christ the fruit of the Spirit is what attracts lost people to the Lord Jesus. In other words, non-believers, those who don't know Jesus, will be attracted to Christ through us as the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. I heard a guy recently say this, and he's not a church guy. He doesn't go to church. To my knowledge, I don't know if this man has ever gone to church, but he said this about Hillcrest Church, because he was been connected a little bit. He said, those are some of the nicest, friendliest people I've ever been around. So a non-church guy, and I don't know for sure if he knows Jesus, I probably have some doubts, but he said, those are nice people. Those are friendly people. Well, how did he come to that impression? because evidently the fruit of the Spirit was flowing out of some of our lives as we interacted with this man. I also know another young guy who doesn't attend this church, and he was telling me in a conversation about another man who does attend this church, and he says, that man from your church, um, he texts me, and he calls me, and he asks how I'm doing, and that man from your church actually... Came over to my house and helped me do some work. It's affecting him. He said, that, that guy seems like the real deal. He seems real. He seems genuine. Well, it's the Holy Spirit producing fruit through the church guy's life to influence the non church guy's life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, I believe that non-Christians, non-churchgoers care more about how we treat them than what we preach and teach, right? And if we don't establish love and the fruit of the Spirit, they're probably not going to listen to much we have to say. I'm a little concerned about a lot of real strong, you know, and and I believe the Bible, you know my heart. I'm going to love God's Word. But listen, we can get so uh, uh, focused on the Bible and the Word and the truth and taking a position and taking a stand on everything and be very non-loving towards people where the fruit of the Spirit of God is not flowing through us and people just shut us off. Jesus and Paul says we're always to share the truth in what? From the fruit of the Spirit, in love, in love. Let me ask you a question. Do those who know you the very best, those who are around you regularly, would they say that you're a spirit-filled believer, that the fruit of the Spirit, these things are evidenced out of your life? What would they say? What would you say? Is the Holy Spirit using you, producing fruit in you to attract others to Jesus? And, you know, and, I, and I get this. Sometimes, you know, when we're with people and we... We, wanna, we, think, we think about witnessing, about opening our mouths and sharing something and sharing the gospel, and that's essential. There, there needs to be gospel conversation. Gospel. But listen, witnessing starts long before that. It starts in, in how we relate to people as the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us. And I, and I really believe that's what allows us to have audience with people. We're nice and kind and caring and patient and gentle with people. Because, because, right, in your workplace, that's probably not the norm. People are stressed out, going off on people, arguing with people, combative, just all those kind of things. And so the fruit of the Spirit is what attracts lost people to Christ. Second, the fruit of the Spirit is what provides us as the body of Christ with unity, with harmony. And so, he gives us spiritual gifts to serve each other, to build each other up, but he gives us the fruit of the Spirit so that we can get along and stay unified in the process. If you think about this, the body of Christ, our church family is just a big bundle of relationships. That's what we are. All sorts of people. Any of you ever run an engine without oil? You ever do that? hey, Dad, this red light on my dash is, is on there. I said, what does it say? Well, it just says, says oil. What, should, what does that mean? What should I do? Well, honey, that means you probably should check the oil. Oh, how do you do that? If you run engine without oil, bad things are going to happen. I had an old push mower, lawn mower, had it for years, and, and, uh, you know, any of you ever think you're going to mow the grass, but you're in a hurry? And you just want to get it done, and get it knocked out, you know? So I got this old lawnmower. And it was a good old mower. I had it for a long time. And, and I got where I just wasn't checking the oil. Just pull the thing up, start it up, and go mow, you know? And there's a little, little knob down on the bottom. It's got two little prongs on it. And you twist it out, right, and you it out, it's usually got a little little miniature dipstick on it and shows you whether there's oil in there. I'm in a hurry, and I'm just mowing week after week and didn't check the oil. And then for some reason, one day it was hot out, I was mowing in the summer and I just mowed along, things were going fine. All of a sudden, it just shut down, just quit working. Now, what's wrong with this silly thing? Said running great, just quit in the middle. And so I spark plug wire checked, so I got checking. Uh, the engine burn up and it didn't run anymore. (laughs) What happens without oil is those metal parts inside that engine develop heat and friction, and the metal, when there's no lubrication, no oil, it, it just all locks up, and it blows up, and just doesn't work, right? Well... Crest, the Holy Spirit is the oil of this church. And if we try to relate to each other without oil, friction is going to build up, there's going to be some heat, and then some things are going to break down and stop working. The Holy Spirit's the oil of the church, it's what keeps the engine smooth, it's what reduces friction. How? Because he produces the fruit. And it's divinely empowered. It's a key to church unity. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's it's also a a key to our home unity. In our homes. The oil of the Holy Spirit. And I never thought of that until just this moment. In the Old Testament, one of the symbols for the Holy Spirit was oil. You remember that? The oil. And so... Mindy and I were driving back to home here yesterday, and and uh, we had a six-hour drive, and we were in the car, and we were talking, listening to each other, and and we talked a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit today. And she commented, kind of talking about the oil of the Holy Spirit, kind of commented that it reminded her of the company that she works for. It's a, She works for a glass tempering company, they temper and laminate glass, and So any glass walls in your home in showers or glass walls in offices or glass walls down escalator, any any glass walls have to be tempered and laminated, heated up to high temperature and then cooled a certain way to, to laminate, to temper the glass. And the benefits of tempering and laminating glass is it provides strength in it. You ever see the old storm doors that people used to have, and somebody would run into a storm door, and what? you remember what the glass would do? The glass would split into shards, and people would have serious injuries and cuts from those shards of glass. Well, now all those glass is required to be tempered, to be laminated, and it keeps it from shattering, and it makes it stronger and uh, impact-resistant, and it reduces noise, and Tempered laminated glass helps block UV rays and it makes it durable and less prone to breakage. I want you to look at this video. Can you guys hit this for just a minute? Kind of a video where my wife works of them tempering and laminating glass. Look at that glass. Watch what happens. It's tempered and so when it breaks, it just breaks into millions of pieces. And so that's a little glass rod there and even though it tempers and shatters, look at it, it stays together. That's tempered laminated glass. Well, so what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, it's pretty amazing. It's what the Holy Spirit will do in us. By His power, by Him working and producing fruit, He tempers us, He laminates us together. In relationship with others so that when we're hit, when we come under pressure, when something comes against us or we're hurt or we're attacked or abused or someone says something to us in the house that we don't like, we don't shatter, we don't blow up, we don't fall apart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's controlling us. The Holy Spirit's working in us by his power to produce fruit. He's what holds us together. Mick Jagger, wrote a song a few years ago about living in New York City, the Big Apple, and being on the street. Some of you know the song. It's about being in tatters, being shattered. Friends are so alarming. My lovers are never charming. It's just a cocktail party on the street. Look at me. I'm in tatters. I'm shattered. I'm shattered. Well, it's what happens when you live in the flesh. Life is just shattered, just blows up, comes apart. Holy Spirit tempers us, holds us together, keeps us together. The flesh under the influence will cause us to shatter and possibly to shatter others. Finally, the fruit of the Spirit is what protects us from sin. Think about the virtues of a couple of these fruit of the Spirit that he mentions of self-control and faithfulness. Those qualities produced in us by the Holy Spirit provide us with a powerful defense system, self-control and faithfulness, so that when temptation comes, and it comes, amen, we are empowered to overcome. I've learned this, that when confronted with sin and tempted, victory seldom comes by me just thinking, I'm going to be more self-disciplined. I'm just going to be more self-controlled think about this how can self become more self controlled as a believer that as a christian follow christ that really doesn't make any difference that's like an asking a wild animal to tame itself how does the flesh my flesh sinful flesh become more self controlled Rather, victory comes from walking in the Spirit, abiding in Jesus, where the Holy Spirit is producing self-control within us. Any, any, of, you, any of you struggle with self-control? You just got real quiet in here. <laughs> self-control. Let me ask you in close. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you going to walk in the Spirit tomorrow in fellowship with Him daily? The fruit is only produced, the fruit of the Spirit is only produced in us by His power. And boy, boy, how we need Him. It's only possible by abiding in Christ. How are you relating to other people? Think about your home. How are you relating to your spouse? Which of those two categories, characteristics, relational qualities, virtues, would characterize the way you relate to your spouse or your kids or your parents? What about on the workplace? I uh, never forget there was a lady, at the previous church who visited one Sunday, and I knew her and she talked, and she was surprised to see a, a man in the church that she worked with at General Electric. And she, I think, talked to me. She said, That man come to your church? I said, Well, yeah, he's been a member there. She said, Oh, I'm not coming back there. That man's awful. She worked with him. She worked with him. She had no, and I don't, I don't think she ever came back. How are you relating to people at home, in the workplace? And perhaps the Holy Spirit this morning is speaking to you and is calling you and saying, let me, let me take over. Let me have control. Perhaps there's a relationship that needs the touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so this morning's as Don comes and as we close, perhaps the most important time of the entire service where we have a chance, opportunity to respond to, to God as he speaks to us. You're invited to come this morning and just say, maybe come and just Humbling yourself before the Lord and say, I I need the Lord to take control. I, I want the Holy Spirit to influence me and to walk in Him to produce this kind of fruit in my life. For the advancement of the gospel, would you stand with me as we sing together?